Good afternoon. I'm really honored to be here with you today. And I thought that um, I would begin with um, what is clearly a preemptive question as the title of my remarks, Why Poetry? I also want to begin with an epigraph from William Faulkner that reads, the poet's voice need not merely be the record of man, it can be one of the props, the pillars to help him endure and prevail. One of my earliest memories, indeed what might be my first memory, is a series of overlapping and connected images from a trip I took with my parents when I was three years old. In the only photograph we have from the event taken in Mexico against a backdrop of mountains, I am wearing a smocked green dress and I am sitting on a mule, looking out toward the camera, perhaps at my father, who must be taking the photograph, and whose handwriting on the back tells me only this, Tasha, Monterey, 1969. Still, this image is not part of anything I remember. In my memory, we have driven part of the long distance from home in Mississippi through the desert. I can still see in my mind's eye the glare of the sun on the windshield of the car, can still feel the wind on my face from the half-open window I am leaning against. And then the memory shifts, and the images come to me as sound, water moving in a sink, what must be my mother's quick footsteps across a tile floor, sun and water, light and sound. And then, vaguely, the sense that what that I have stepped off the patio into the deep end of a pool, water and sky overhead as I sink, my mother, who could not swim, waving her arms frantically above me. This is the final image that has stayed with me all these years, troubling my sense of what is real or imagined about the past, and causing me to contemplate why or how the difference now matters. I think of poet Adrian Rich's words, some selected image of the past is always being delivered to our senses. And I must ask myself why my mind delivers what it does. Why do the seemingly different moments of the trip form a montage in my head, shifting as if they are all taking place at once, fighting for prominence in my act of recollecting? For me, this is all about metaphor, one of the most important implements in the poet's toolbox. As Robert Frost wrote, unless you are at home in the metaphor, unless you've had your proper poetical education in the metaphor, you are not safe anywhere. Because you are not at ease with figurative values, you don't know the metaphor in its strength and weakness, you don't know how far you may expect to ride it and when it may break down on you. You are not safe in science, you are not safe in history. My conflated memories, the images I hold on to, point to the realization of the figurative values I bring to my perception of the world, myself in it. I see in my confusion about these events something powerful, the need to make sense both literally and figuratively of the past and what I've come to see as my first inclination toward becoming a poet, someone committed to making use of the elegant and treacherous medium of language in order to grapple with histories both public and private, and as James Baldwin put it, to recreate out of the disorder of life that order which is art. Often I am asked, why poetry? 
Each time it seems to me that the questioner means something different. Occasionally the question seems to imply that I have chosen an arcane art and profession, that no one really reads poetry anymore, that I might have done something more important with my talents. Other times it seems because of my subject matter, particularly my focus on history, my desire to affect the redress of poetry, to encourage social justice and to prevent cultural amnesia, that the questioner seems to imply my work might better be suited to expository prose. Because I maintain that poetry's purpose is to keep alive the cultural memory of a people, to promote the preservation of collective experience evidenced by its early mnemonic tradition, it is a perfect vehicle for our shared history across time and space. And because that shared history is often evoked through the lens of personal history, the individual voice speaking in a poem showing us ourselves by showing us the interior lives of others, Poetry's most necessary act is its method of redress. The empathy of poetry can, that can connect us with our most humane impulses through the projection of emotional understanding, one of the most important kinds of intelligence, of kinds of knowledge that we have. I see too, on a personal level, how the act of writing poetry is a quest for other kinds of knowledge, knowing, for example, as much as it is possible in a particular moment, one's own heart and mind, to challenge the easy assumptions in favor of a more difficult reckoning, or to know, as Yeats put it, that of the quarrel with others we make rhetoric, but of the quarrel with ourselves, poetry, and to temper the ego in, that is always at work revising the personal past. In the poem that follows, I try to make sense of that trip of over 40 years ago, while at the same time grappling with an awareness of the flaws of selected memory in favor of the strengths of metaphor. Calling, Mexico, 1969. Why not make a fiction of the mind's fictions? I want to say it begins like this, the trip, a pilgrimage, my mother kneeling at the altar of the black virgin enthralled, light streaming in a window, the sun at her back, holy water in a bowl she must have touched. What's left is palimpsest, one memory bleeding into another, overwriting it. How else to explain what remains? The sound of water in a basin I know is white, the sun behind her, light streaming in her face as if she were already dead, blurred as it will become. I want to imagine her before the altar, rising to meet us, my father lifting me toward her outstretched arms. What else to make of the mind's slick confabulations? What comes back is the sun's dazzle on a pool surface, light filtered through water closing over my head, my mother, her body, between me and the high sun, a corona of light around her face. Why not call it a vision? What I know is this. I was drowning and saw a dark Madonna. Someone pulled me through the water's bright ceiling, and I rose, initiate, from one life into another. Adrian Rich reminds us 
in the essay Resisting Amnesia that one does not have a choice, that one does have a choice to become consciously historical. That is, a person who tries for memory and connectedness against amnesia and nostalgia, who tries to describe accurately her or his journey. And that, in a larger sense, historical amnesia is starvation of the imagination. No ongoing pursuit of knowledge can survive that starvation. The poem, then, is not just about trying to describe my journey accurately as possible. It is also about becoming consciously historical and about deciding through the implications of metaphor that what I recall makes most sense to me now as a kind of early calling. Have I made sense once and for all of all the meaning that trip and the images I've created from it? Of course not. But it is the act of grappling, that revisioning year after year that I am drawn to, and the necessity for an engagement with the world as well as the self in the ongoing pursuit of discovery and the creation of new ways of knowing our individual and collective past and connecting them to our future. It is the nature of poetry to look both forward and backward at once. It shows us where we have been and creates a vision of a possible future by opening our hearts, not closing them. I find again and again a calling in that and an answer to the question, why poetry?